I'm Dan Rundy. This is another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. I'm here with Mayor Mike Rawlings, the mayor of Dallas, Texas. Mayor Rawlings was kind enough to agree to be a part of our global refugee and internally displaced people task force, our global forced migration task force, a bipartisan task force that we convened here at CSIS to look at the ever-growing challenge of forced migration. So, Mayor Rawlings, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for coming from Dallas. It's a pleasure, and uh, I guess I'm supposed to say go Caps. Go go Caps, right. That's very diplomatic of you. (laughs) I was just asking you earlier, are you a a native Texan? And the answer is technically yes. Yes. And then, but then you you went out, you you left Texas for a while. Yeah, I've been in Texas for everything but probably about 15 years. I was uh, was born up in the panhandle of Texas. And my parents uh, moved to Kansas City and then up to Syracuse, New York. And then I went to school at Boston College. After Boston College, I came back to Dallas and have been there ever since. You were in the private sector before being in public service. Yeah, I'm a business person. Uh, this politics thing is a little bit new. It's the third act of my life here. But I was in the advertising business, ran a large advertising agency, and then was the CEO of Pizza Hut and learned the the uh, restaurant business, saw International through uh, the eyes of Pizza Hut, did that and opened up a private equity firm after that. And then I decided to give back. I was never in the military, never had a chance to, to serve our country, so this is my uh, public service. So is this your second term? It is. I will. We only have two terms. We have term limits at the, the city of Dallas and at the Rawlings household, too. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I will uh, end that term a year from now. So people are going to ask, why is the mayor of Dallas on the Confronting the Global Forced Migration Crisis Task Force at CSIS? How does uh, refugees, how does that intersect with your day job? Well, you know, migrants will leave their homes and their countries for many, many reasons. And mayors of, of cities really don't have a voice in how to stop that or how to deal with that publicly. But we do get the end result. Migrants end up in cities all across the world. Dallas has um, a tremendous amount of that. We have, uh, our marketplace is the fastest growing in the, in the country, and we've got a good network of organizations, NGOs, that help bring those individuals here. And we've got a long heritage of it. So we see it all the time on the front line as being mayor and, and how to work with those. One out of four citizens or residents in Dallas were born someplace else, believe it or not. It's a, like it's outside a, of the United States? Outside of the United States. Really? Yes. And ironically, the marketplace has the largest migration of Americans to our market as well. So, well, I think Texas is a great state, and I like Tex-Mex food, so I can understand <laughs> why. Exactly right. Jalapenos and enchiladas. And so, so you have an office? Do you have some kind of a way that you're addressing this at the city? Yes, we're proud of kind of what we've done in the last couple of years, and we wanted to make sure that we welcomed individuals, so we created an office of, of welcoming communities in immigrant affairs. We decided that 
we could not deal with this ad hoc, and we wanted to make sure that we were truly welcoming. I mean, day one is when people need help, and if we create that relationship with the communities at that point, we believe we can be a safer city, a more productive city. And so we've been doing this for a year and have a wonderful woman that runs it, and it's, it's working out for us. So talk about the kinds of folks that come to Dallas. I, mean, I think some folks listening will say, well, this means folks from Mexico, or this means folks from Central America. I, I'm guessing it's not all folks from Mexico or from Central America. No, it isn't. The predominant population is Latino. Sure. And they're very productive. And we have a heritage in Dallas of that. But we're becoming such an international city. And let me back up yeah, just yeah. for a second, because I think the why of that is very important. We created back almost 40 years ago the airport DFW. It is a massive airport. It's larger than the island Manhattan. Really? Yeah. And it is now the nonstop to every place in the world. With the, with the longer carriers, people are, are not stopping in New York or L.A. They're coming right to Dallas. And so that provides residents from uh, Asia, near Asia, uh, Africa, and we have a, a big population of immigrants throughout the world. We had a crisis when I first became mayor in the first couple of years. We had the first Ebola patients in the United States. Oh, good I don't Lord. Know if you remember. Yeah. But there was a breakout in West Africa, and we patient zero was from West Africa. And, and lived, got on a plane uh, and came to Dallas. And, and didn't know he had it at that time. Sure. It, but it exposed itself once he got it. And he was part of a large West African community that we have in, in Dallas. I'll always remember going to a part of town where there are a lot of immigrants and celebrating Christmas with them, and, and they didn't really know what Christmas was. And we had a philanthropist that, that lit up all the trees in a park, and I was with four little girls, and I said, now, where are you from? And she said, Honduras. And I said, where are you from? And she said, Syria. And I said, where are you from? And she said, Burma. Okay. And, you know, just went around. And I think the last one was Vietnam. Really? And it was like, wow, this is what the future of Dallas is going to oh, look my like. Word. And they were all playing on their little smartphones. And, and they spoke and, perfect and English. Perfect English. And they were just like regular kids. But they had just earlier in their lives had been someplace else. That's amazing. That's amazing. Talk about the kinds of job needs that Dallas has and how migrants, but also folks who come, you know, there's different doors. There's obviously the refugee door is a technical term, which in, in denotes certain kinds of legal protections, et cetera. And so you get a certain number of folks who are classified as refugees that come to Dallas as part of this larger wave of migration that's coming. How are employers looking at this? Are they, is there a big demand for for I, I have no idea what the unemployment rate is in Dallas. I'm sure it's like extremely low. So talk a little it bit is. about that and what the demand is for, it, it for is. labor. As I said, we're the fastest growing market and we have a tremendous amount of jobs. J.P. Morgan Chase did a study and said there were 45,000 jobs a year at seventeen fifty an hour. And that had to be filled. That, that were not being filled. Okay? That are new jobs every uh -huh. year. That were, <clears throat> were not being filled because we don't have the credentialed individuals. I think uh, we, we're about 37% of people that have a two-year or four-year degree. In there, the whole city. In so the whole city. So of the whole city, 37% have a two- or four-year college degree. Right. And we've got these jobs that need training. 
So our biggest strategic issue is kind of getting that workforce training, making sure our education system is going to be able to fill those jobs. And I think individuals that live, uh, that come from another country here are, are perfect for that. First of all, they are really excited about having a great job, that they will go through work. I mean, really training. excited. Well, mm, you know, yeah. Gallup Corporation did a worldwide survey. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, yes. So, and they found out the one thing, the, the number one thing that people want is a good job around the world. I, I don't know if it was Ronald Reagan that said the best social programs is a job, but somebody smart said that. Yep, and, and that's so important, and we've got it. And so we have individuals, and, and we've got a lot of individuals that are service workers. There's no question about that. But uh, we are a very high-tech uh, center. Uh, we've got more high-tech jobs than Austin and Houston put together. Really? Yeah. We've got a huge amount of data processing, a huge amount of backroom services for banks, AT&T, is uh, worldwide headquarters is in Dallas really? with all their new products. Mm. Telecom is big. So those folks that have some experience in engineering, uh, science, math at all, they get sucked up real quick and suddenly they're in the system and it, it works out well for them. So so the vision from my childhood of the Dallas TV show is sort of oil as the, that is not, that is not, it's a much more diversified economy. We, we don't get our feelings hurt when, when people bring those prejudices to, <laughs> to, to the conversation. Okay. <laughs> but we do ask people to come back and, and kind of see us. It's a remarkable place. That's so impressive. It, 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 well, you know, Dallas has a history. And, and by the way, that, that TV show was probably wrong even at the time because Dallas doesn't, isn't an oil place. It's, it uh, was back in the 30s from East Texas, there were some oil folks that came, but Dallas is really more of a retail, has, has always been more of a retail center. Texas Instruments was started right. there with the, the, semi, the birth of the semiconductor and the integrated circuit, and uh, Southwest Airlines was headquartered there, and American Airlines is headquartered there. So it's a corporate headquarters, and it is uh, a place where it's kind of easy to do business, and that's our resident. Isn't Exxon Mobil there, too? Exxon Mobil is headquartered there. Most of their employees are in Houston, closer to the refineries. But the corporate the headquarters, headquarters in, Dallas. In, in, in Dallas, in the Dallas area. Yeah. How many universities do you have? We have probably about twenty-five in the in the in the marketplace. We've got SMU, an SMU, SMU, TCU there in, in Fort Worth. We area, have a right. CSIS has a relationship with TCU. I was in the Bush administration, and obviously the Bush the is the Bush Institute. This the is Bush your, Institute is now with SMU. President Bush. He lives uh, in Dallas. He lives about a driver and a, and a three iron away from me. Okay, he's <laughs> he's, he's pretty pretty. Uh, he's pretty uh, close. Well, he's pretty close. He's been a great resident, by the way, of, of Dallas. I thought I didn't know what he was going to do, come and kind of when he retired, hibernate and stuff. But the institute has really brought in a lot of people. And, and on this issue of migration and the role that women play in the migration, they've been a leader in this because that's one of their missions is to kind of deal with the rights of women around the world. Yeah, he. The, one of the big things I took from this process of writing this report was that how women and children are the vast majority of migrants, that it's, you know, it's uh, there's People have mental maps in their head of what this looks like, and it's di quite different. And I think this issue of 
also that refugees move to cities, which you said at the beginning, Mayor, I think is absolutely right. I think this is a phenomenon all over the world, whether they're moving from one part of Africa to another. Much, Many of them, or a large, even a majority of them, end up living in cities, not in camps or in tents, though obviously that's the visual that many people have in their heads. In terms of how folks integrate into your city, how does somebody, if I move to Dallas and I don't speak English, what's the... How do how do you guys help them get it? If I whatever the term, do you guys use the term integrated or mm-hmm. get connected? What's I don't know that you know different people use different terms, so I'm always a little careful about whatever the term is. Some people have put a lot of freight in in one word or another. What how do you guys describe it? Now words aren't that important. I mean, even those words matter. I just think it's important to, to have the right strategy. Uh, if you don't mind, I want to back up on this women thing yeah, yeah. just for a second sure. because I think it's really important, a phenomenon I see as mayor, that and we have to kind of as men have to figure this out, where our role is in this and our cause or whatever. But you see women with families that are making some of the most important decisions around the world today. Okay, Migration is one of them. One of the issues we see in Dallas is our poverty level of children growing up in poverty is higher than we want it to be. That is driven primarily by women, single head of household women with kids. Okay, So you've got this phenomenon, and I don't think anybody really talks about around the world, of these strong women that are just trying to make a better life for their kids, working low-paying jobs, <laughs> And, and trying to make sure their kids get a good education. So it's an interesting picture in 2018 right So now. I mean, the, the statistic we have, women, we had a set, set eight facts. One was women, specifically women heads of household and children are at the greatest risk in forced migration crisis because almost half of the 244 annual migrants and half of all refugees worldwide are female. That's now, right. I wouldn't have... Yeah. When I started this, I wouldn't have known that. That's right. But, but you so, experienced that in Dallas. Which, you see which, that. Which leads into how we, uh, we do this. So from a refugee standpoint, what is great is we have, as I said, many NGOs. You make a point in your, in your study, which I think is very important, that the private sector has got to be a big part of this. I think the private business, the private for-profit sector needs to, but definitely the private nonprofit sector. So building up your infrastructure as a city through the faith-based community, through other organizations that take this on as their mission is really important because they're the arms and legs. Government cannot do this all themselves. So usually when someone shows up, shows up, that's the first point that they're going to contact. They're going to contact through a faith-based organization or some charitable organization and then you all will then, work with those groups. And then we can come in now with this Officing and Welcoming Community and Immigrants and ask what do they need. And usually they're able to get the, the housing they need relatively quick. We have to get those people into a job. So Is they, housing expensive in Dallas? It is go, It continues to go up compared to our East Coast and West Coast brethren. They're not as, it's not as expensive. That was a leading question. I, I that was, but <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I can't brag that it's, uh, it's dirt cheap anymore because it's not. 
and we it's an issue that we're continuing to build. We need to build about 20,000 affordable homes. We just did a study. Just a year? Uh, no, no. To kind of right fill, now. To, right now, that's the, that's the gap that we have. So we need to get them housing. We need to get them jobs. And then the, and then the place where they suddenly get integrated in the community is usually through schools. So we have a couple of schools that speak 50 different languages. Really? Okay. From different... All over the all, world. All over the world that they come. And now they start to get into the, the ecosystem, hopefully keep their relationship with the, the private sector through nonprofits and through a job. We become a, a, a safety net. We have a, a county health system that they'll be enrolled in as, as well to make sure their health needs are, are met. So, tell, you know, one of the things we have a... Uh, we went and talked to the folks at the Vatican who there's a each department at the Vatican has a cardinal that's in charge of the department. And in the case of refugees, the Pope himself, who's a, technically a cardinal, he's the Bishop of Rome, oversees directly that department and has a weekly meeting mm-hmm. on this topic. So we said, we need somebody for this task force. And they said, we've got a guy. And so they sent us a priest from Georgetown University. So just talk a little bit more about the role of the faith-based community in your city, because it, you, I, you were talked about it a little bit earlier, but I just, I think, I think, I don't want to put too fine a point, but it seems to me that religious institutions and religious communities have a really important role to play here. They do. And let me start with the Catholic Church, because uh, of what you were just saying. We've had a good relationship with both Bishop uh, Farrell, who's now a cardinal, uh, working on strategic issues for the Pope. And this is one of them, family and, and how they're going to deal with this. And our new bishop, Bishop Burns, just recently we agreed to work with the Catholic Church on a new initiative called uh, Hashtag Be Golden, which is after the golden rule. I mean, we're, we should treat each, each other, other like I'd like, like to I'd be, be treated. Right. Okay. Doing to others as they would do Doing to, to you. And it is interesting. It's not just a sermon it's really pointed towards this immigration issue. And they realized that our needs are, so many people are coming in and feel alienated, feel like the other, feel like the outsider. And so we're excited about that initiative because it's, it's really pointed right towards that community. In fact, the Catholic Church under Bishop Farrell was key in dealing with the Ebola issue that we had. We had a, a patient zero, but now we had the, his family that needed to be in isolation because he had been right. with them for a long time, and we could not find a place to oh, put him in Dallas. Really? Because and people were so afraid. The people were afraid, and the apartments were kind of saying, Shutting, no way, not, you not can't here. have, not it's here. Gonna, it's going to impact everybody else. There was a lot of nimbyism, not in my backyard. Yeah. And... Long story short, I've called Bishop Farrell, and he had a Catholic retreat area that he opened the doors, and we were able to put them in. They did not get Ebola, and they were not contagious, and all worked out. But that was that. That it's was kind of an example. I, it needed it right then, and to have that connection and have them buying into it was remarkable. But what's interesting in 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 Dallas, where we have a lot of Catholics, we're probably a hotbed for conservative fundamentalists. And what we're finding is the conservative fundamentalists have 
the same sort of passion on this issue that other uh, other faiths have. Yeah. And so when we had, um, I mean, I think a lot of it's Matthew 25 when he says, when I was a stranger, you let me in. And it helps them understand the importance of this, and they find it important in their, their faith. So we had an issue with the, with the governor who was kind of shutting off he was kind of fighting with the Obama White House on some of these issues. And I was able to call in our faith-based, conservative faith-based leaders to speak out for this program that allowed money in to help those organizations, those NGOs, to, to do that. And that was important. And I, I, and I just see it time and time again, people of faith, Definitely people in the Muslim community, and, and the Jewish community has led this issue for a long time. Uh, they've, been, they've been great, but we really kind of bond around this and become the soul of Dallas when we face tough issues or just the continual day-to-day of accepting people in. Talk about, can you talk about an example of somebody who's came to Dallas as a migrant from another country who's, who's been wildly successful? Do you have any examples of that? Let me tell you one story that is a remarkable story that I'm not sure they're wildly successful, but... but Interesting. Interesting. And I'm going to get his name wrong. It's okay. But there's an author that wrote for The New Yorker, okay, and wrote a book called A Great American. And it was a story of a Bengali that came to the Dallas area in the turn of the century, in 1999 or something, and was working in 20 stores. years ago. Okay, 20 years ago. And after 9-11, a kind of biker, messed up dude decided that he was going to take it out on all the Muslims oh. and decided to go shoot Muslims. Oh. He missed on the Muslims because... This is a, uh, he's from a, Bangladesh. He, he's, he's a Sikh. He's a, he he's Sikh a Sikh or a Hindi. He was Hindi, yeah. I think. Oh, good Lord. Shot him in the face. Oh. Okay. And the guy survived. And the story is about forgiveness and grace, how this man, he, he worked in service industries at an olive garden. Then he went to high tech, and he was very successful. He had been in the in Bangladesh Air Force, and he came over here. It was one of those individuals yeah. that had those engineering degrees. And now he worked for the for to stop the capital punishment of this guy who was later, you know, arrested and tried and uh, sentenced to death. And his story now was around the world about how forgiving he Unbelievable. was. And they're going to make a movie of this. Be shooting. Are you going to be in the movie? No, I'm not because it's it's. Uh, I would have been much younger and, and much better looking <laughs> at that time. <laughs> I'm going to say put George Clooney as mayor. No, 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 no. <laughs> But look, you, you see, I mean, the guy across the street from me that lives across the street from me is Indian. He has a wonderful limousine company. His kids are wild teenagers like my kid was. And he's just, you see it successful all the time. Another in, in Indian has created huge medicines for cancer and, uh, and, and growing. And there's high-tech companies starting all the time that folks that have come here for business and uh, international trade. It's just part of our community now that we've got those individuals. It, the, the, there's no question that Dallas, the DNA of Dallas is business. And if you want to do well in business, people know to come here. And that helps things out a lot. Yeah, I met a guy who had several 
well-regarded Chinese restaurants from Taiwan who sold them and is now in real estate in Dallas. And he has done what he's been wildly successful. He's probably been there for 40 years. But you know, Dallas is a type of place that I didn't grow up there, as I said, but once you got there, it wasn't it wasn't who you knew. It was about what you could do. And I was at a cocktail party one time a few years back and a very successful financier uh, said that he still took cold calls from people. And I said, you do what? You know, people knock on your door and you'll see him? He says, yes. He says, you never know where the next great idea is from. So that openness to the other idea and the, is, is similar to this openness of people coming from other places. Because we were all, we, we get it in Dallas. Yeah. Because when I show, I, when I make a speech to Dallasites, I say, how many people were born and raised in Dallas? And maybe 10 or 15 percent were there. Really? So most of us came from someplace else. And it's kind of a little microcosm of what America was. So just let me just leave you with one last question. Are you, so the folks that come from other countries, are you, you're optimistic, I mean, you're, the, you're, the track record is you're very optimistic that if they come here as refugees or through some other door, that they're going to be successful in Dallas? Well, the odds are that, okay, and more importantly, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to flip it on there. I want them to come because they're going to be answers for our jobs. Our, we're going to become more of a cosmopolitan, more interesting city. We're going to be a safer city, I think, because these people are really into family and the family unit. And so uh, we, there are issues. There's poverty issues we have to deal with, and there's health care issues you have to deal with. But I think it's a gift that was given us uh, that will make us uh, much stronger. So issues of integration you're not concerned about? It's, it's one of those things where we have, we're over the tipping point of being a cosmopolitan city. And so to me, it's natural uh, the way we're going to do. Now, you go, you go to East Texas, you go an hour and a half out, you're starting to see a little bit of it, but you probably don't see as much of it. But Dallas is kind of over that hump. And I, I think that individuals are, are feeling special because of their unique backgrounds. I saw a story the other day on a Burmese basketball team that won a championship. In Dallas. In Dallas. That we're all from Burma. Okay, who would have thought it, you know? And, uh, you know, a couple of ladies were coaching them. And you just see that stuff all the time now. Well, Mayor, thanks a lot. Thanks for being on the task force, and thanks for coming out from Dallas to be with us today. Well, thank you for writing it, and this is an important uh, issue that the world's got to deal with. Thank you.